Hello and welcome to The Money Movement. We are recording here at Consensus 22 in Austin, Texas. 17,000 people, amazing people uh, getting together. I guess I can sort of say post-pandemic. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm happy to have that and very happy to have Dan Held with Kraken, one of the most thoughtful writers, thinkers, and I think people working in the Bitcoin space, crypto broadly, but you've been incredibly outspoken in Bitcoin. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's a ton we could talk about, obviously. And you know, maybe if you're okay, just doing a little bit of an origin story for the listeners, just like sure. your journey down the rabbit hole, just kind of when, where, how, and we're going to zoom around a little bit from there. Sounds good. Yeah. So I was in school during the 2008 financial crisis studying finance in undergrad. And I realized that my the books that I was reading were wrong, the professors were wrong, and everyone on TV was wrong. And so I started to question the nature of my reality a little bit. Do the institutions and leaders in charge of our financial system actually know what they're doing? And so I was already disillusioned with our leadership in the financial system. A couple of years later, I discovered Bitcoin. And I'm not going to say I got it right away. I don't think anyone does. I think it takes a while to really dig in. I mean, I'm still learning things about Bitcoin. Of course. And so I started to read about Bitcoin and I learned about the monetary policy, the 21 million hard cap. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a brilliant, brilliant breakthrough. It demonstrated that you could build a monetary policy where you never have inflation and that inflation is always a source of political turmoil where we could debate on if 2% or 5% is the appropriate rate of inflation. So it constantly opens up the money to an attack vector of politics. So I thought that was brilliant. And then also Silk Road was... Mm-hmm. I think, a a testament to Bitcoin's resiliency. I didn't know how Bitcoin worked on a proof of work level, like how Bitcoin mining worked or how the network worked. But I was like, if people can buy things that are illegal, it's probably doing something right. It's got the immutable characteristic to it. So it's a bare instrument, right? Exactly. So it it was a proof of, it was a demonstration that it was immutable or censorship resistant, which was really cool. And then, uh, so I started buying in 2012 and then, uh, and I didn't have a ton of money. I was yeah. I was like 24, you know, I, I definitely wish I was 10 years older where I had a little bit more discretionary income. And then I moved to San Francisco. I, I worked at a finance a small firm in Dallas and uh, they moved me out to San Francisco. And there I got involved in the Bitcoin meetup scene. So this was yeah. Jared Kenna, Jesse Powell, totally. Fogak, and uh, Brian and Fred. Did you ever go to one of those? You know, I came out to a couple of events out there and who was it who had the house where like... Oh, Jeremy Gardner. Yes, um, Jeremy Gardner. The Crypto Castle. The Crypto Castle. And like like, there were like, I don't know, several of these like startups were all basically there. Yeah, totally. I mean, you had 20 Mission, you had Crypto Castle. And these were communities that were built around different crypto assets. And it was funny because January 2013, there was only a dozen people. In fact, if you go to the meetup invite and go back and scroll... Mm-hmm. You can see that there's only like a dozen people that RSVP'd. Mm-hmm. And then March 2013 hit, and there's this huge bubble from uh, Bitcoin went from $10 to 260 Yeah, And there's a huge wave of excitement. VCs were literally handing out business cards. I remember Lightspeed was there. <laughs> and they, were, yeah. they were literally handing out business cards. There's 150 people at the meetup. And that's the moment when I decided to build my first product. Zero Block. I don't know if you remember Zero Absolutely. Block. Yeah. It was... Um, for the folks who are watching, it's, uh, it, it was one of the most popular mobile apps back in 2013, yeah. which back in that day, you didn't really have to build something sophisticated because there weren't that many people building products. Yeah. yeah. So it was very basic. It was a price tracker product and um, that got bought by blockchain.com. And so that kickstarted my career in tech. So mm-hmm. built some early products in crypto, worked at a couple other crypto companies, 
to zoom forward a little bit. And then um, my last company I created was called Interchange, and we got bought by Kraken. Yeah. And then at Kraken, I built out the embryo or the origins of the marketing organization, and then later on led the growth marketing team. You've been in it all along. Every so every festival. Yeah. No. I mean, I kind of like discovered Bitcoin in 2012, and it did take me a little while. But it's actually very interesting because yeah, I found I had originally studied political economy when it got into a tech career, building internet platforms, other things. And then after the financial crisis, I similarly was like, what the fuck is going on here? Totally. Like, I was just like, and I started to become like an armchair monetary historian, right? So this was in 2009, 2010, where I was just finding these were the books I wanted to read. Yeah. You know, history of money, central banking, like just learning more about the international monetary system, these other things. And I was, you know, convinced like there had to be some kind of change on a global scale. There had to be. But, you know, it was unclear what that would be. And so I then, you know, finally got interested. But um, no, it's fascinating, actually, thinking back to the early 2013 days, you know, there were projects, right? Like Counterparty was was one, was back then, which was actually like, I believe, one of the first potential mechanisms to do like what would be like smart contracts or or tokens or other things. And you remember colored coins. And colored coins coins. very much as well. And in the early... uh, white papers, if you want to call them that, for, for Circle, we were very focused on the ability to issue assets on top of Bitcoin. And really, you know, my background was originally in working on like web programming languages and eventually worked on different types of, you know, virtual machines and infrastructure. And, and so I was really intrigued by the idea of, of expanding script to do more. And so, you know, back in early 2013, these were like, you know, people were kind of writing about, talking about these ideas. And we just assumed, yeah, that's going to happen, right? That you're going to be able to do that. And once you're going to be able to do that, you're going to be able to build layers of protocols and you're going to be able to do things like abstract away existing assets and put them on these networks. And there was was more of a builder mindset in Bitcoin back then. There was. Everyone was building their own either CFI or like DeFi sort of application or wanting to experiment with colored coins. And people forget that. The first NFTs were on Bitcoin. Yes. On Counterparty, Rare Pepe's. Yeah, exactly. You know, so the early Bitcoin community was very oriented around experimentation uh, and building. Yeah, Yeah, it was was fascinating because I think like, you know, well, there's a lot to think about here. I mean, there was obviously this period of time when there was a focus on just like keeping Bitcoin what Bitcoin is. Like, Mm -hmm. don't try and have it be something else. There was a cultural elements around Bitcoin that were developed somewhat later. Yeah. You know, like Safedine's book, uh, The Bitcoin Standard. Yeah. And the meat culture and stuff. Right. And back in 13, there wasn't yeah. any of that cultural stuff. Yeah, no. It was interesting to see just also the politics is the wrong word, but like, you know, the core devs and who's really, you know, who's mm-hmm. really in control of the GitHub repos and, totally. you know, and these expressions of ideology through, remember, um, I don't know if it was, was it, uh, what the BIP was, but it was essentially like a merchant payment protocol. And like BitPay had contributed oh, to that. Yeah. And Gavin Andreessen as well. It was like, it was in the Bitcoin dot org release it was like a, a standard for how you do like a merchant payment and uh, but that was ultimately like discarded basically and there was yeah. a sense of like no 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 we're not going to over we're not going to stuff all this stuff into bitcoin we need to keep bitcoin simple which in retrospect i think they were right yeah you know, when it I comes mean, to a this, lot of the decision making yeah. this is a a rocket ship right the bitcoin protocol is like a rocket ship and if you make an error and it breaks yeah it's like a rocket having you know there's a a 0.01% error 
that could lead to a catastrophic failure. The rocket explodes. Right. right. And so Bitcoin, on its trajectory as a new money, has yeah. made its way to the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So we passed the hardest test so far. Mm-hmm. You know, we made it out of the atmosphere and we're on our way. We already went past the moon for $30,000 of Bitcoin. I think when you and I first got into it, $30,000 of Bitcoin is unfathomable yeah. that we would have achieved that or it would have been that, that successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, this conference has more people than the entire crypto ecosystem had yeah. five years ago yeah. in terms of like how many people like were working in the mm-hmm. crypto industry. Mm-hmm. So with that analogy, we've already gone past the moon and we're on our way to Mars. And so that's an incredibly delicate period of a, of a new crypto protocol to go through that period. Yeah. And so... You know, the, the core devs, I, I kind of see them, you know, they're tinkering on the rocket as mm-hmm. it's going, right? And you have to make very, very careful decisions. And yeah. in retrospect, it made sense. You, if you try to jam all these things into Bitcoin, you have to trade yeah. off something. Yeah. And the trade off usually is, is censorship resistance or decentralization right. to some Security. degree. Yeah. My, my kind of simple analogy for Bitcoin versus Ethereum or Bitcoin versus other protocols is Bitcoin rejects all the fun, cool stuff mm-hmm. to just be as decentralized and as good of a money as possible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these other, we don't know what the appropriate level of decentralization is yeah. until there's like a nation state attack moment, right? Or there's Yeah, a, that's the threshold, right? Is the nation state attack vector. And so what Bitcoin, is that? Yeah, yeah, Bitcoiners are like, well, we're going to optimize everything for that event. Yeah. Bitcoiners could be wrong. And this is where I like to look at my own beliefs and try to pull them, pull yeah. them apart sometimes yeah. where yeah. we could have over-optimized for security. Mm-hmm. And maybe at the end of the day, don't ever attacks these protocols to that degree. But I do believe that their hypothesis is likely correct, that eventually money starts to challenge the legitimacy of the state. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you have to have a a money as decentralized as possible. But yeah, the devs, I think, rightfully rejected some of these things you could do on top of Bitcoin because it would introduce a lot of change. And that change leads to risk, and that risk could have the rocket blow up. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. And so I think it's clearly these these were uh, good decisions for preserving that. And it's obviously... You know, created opportunities for other protocols, and there's been huge advancements and developments and other things that have been made possible. And 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 so it's a vibrant space, it's an exciting space. But you know, kind of coming back to sort of building on Bitcoin, this sort of thesis, where in some ways there was a lot of experimentation with that, and then it kind of attention got diverted, and mm-hmm. it was you know all about building on Ethereum or whatever. But it seems like there's more attention coming back to building on bitcoin and i think it's because as a the 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 underlying decentralization the underlying consensus model the underlying fundamental security assurances Mm -hmm. that you have from bitcoin are just phenomenal right so i mean like that's there and and so you just you can't shake a stick at that (laughs) you know if if you've got the stable foundation you want you want to build on something like that. yeah so now it's like okay like you said you it's kind of achieved a certain thing. And now it's like, okay, how do you carefully do that? So obviously there've been many years in development, kind of incremental primitives that have mm-hmm. been added, like Taproot was this significant one. And we're now starting to see people trying to, you know, build on that to start unlocking new things. And but it's very gradual, but I mean, maybe just talk a little bit in your mind about the building on Bitcoin thesis today. Yeah, I, I think building on Bitcoin or Bitcoin DeFi yes. will be right now, if you were to look at like Google search trends, it probably is barely a blip. Mm-hmm. But with crypto, our job is to predict what might happen. Our businesses depend on that. Yeah. And I do think Bitcoin DeFi could be one of those really powerful narratives and, and kind of new 
you know, we have a whole sweeping thing of NFTs or DeFi. Yeah. I think Bitcoin could, Bitcoin DeFi could be an entirely new movement where mm-hmm. a lot of that excitement around DeFi comes back to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So going back to the old, the Bitcoin's lineage as, as having primitive DeFi, it had rare pepes. Yeah. It also had, people forget about join market. Yeah. Join market is a way to earn yield on your Bitcoin in a trustless manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mix your coins with someone else right. and they pay for that privilege as a maker, a maker right. of liquidity. Yeah. And so that's existed on Bitcoin for seven years. You know, but people don't think about this stuff yeah. or the interfaces are really hard to use. I think with the right amount of attention and through there's, there's sort of a um, when you build on top of Bitcoin, you don't have all the cool stuff that some of these other protocols have. So you have to be a little bit more precise. So there's like Lightning, for example, I would consider a smart contract or a mm-hmm. or DeFi. I would consider Lightning to be DeFi. Mm-hmm. And also with Tarot on Lightning, they're introducing stable coins, which is really cool. Yeah, they issue a token mm-hmm. and transact it. Which is really cool, too, because you're not transacting on the Bitcoin base layer. Yeah. So you're not subjected to that fee pressure that occurs mm-hmm. during, like, when demand for block space increases dramatically. You know, do you really want to spend $100 to move an image, to move a JPEG, right. or to move another right. type of asset? It is a really interesting paradigm shift, right, in that, right, the, the collateralization that's needed for these channels on Lightning, if it's collateralization that's really associated with kind of paying the cost of the un- underlying Bitcoin transactions that are carrying this huge number of like tokens that are, you know, could be USDC or could mm-hmm. be whatever. It changes the, the kind of adoption paradigm even of, of Lightning itself. But I, we're really excited about that. I think we're really excited about the potential of, you know, USDC for Bitcoin. And, you know, I think just, you know, looking at these technological developments, a lot of things are actually coming together to, yeah. to make some of these things possible. Bitcoin moves a little slower. You know, the other protocols make lots of changes very quickly to allow you to do the fun, cool stuff. The Bitcoin engineers on the rocket like to make little changes. Mm-hmm. So over a long period of time, we can start to do more of those cool things. It just has to be done in a very, very precise manner. Mm-hmm. That's where like the lightning being developed and adopted, mm-hmm. I think has been a huge win for Bitcoin DeFi. We've also got like RSK. Mm-hmm. RSK has been around a long time, but they, they never got developer interest though. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where lightning kind of stands apart from like RSK, they've gotten developer interest. Mm-hmm. Same with like Stacks, I think. Yeah. I think Stacks as well has gotten developer interest and people excited and mm-hmm. they have a community. Of course they have a token too, which uh, depending on if, how Bitcoiner you mm-hmm. are or not, uh, some people are don't like that and some people do like that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm more of a Bitcoin moderate these days where I love Bitcoin. That's why I'm here. That's my mission. It's the success of Bitcoin, I think is paramount for our freedom. And so that's something I wanna work the rest of my life on. Now, when it comes to people building these projects, some of them aren't necessarily trying to be money. Mm-hmm. They're more of crypto equity. And so these tokens right. are an alignment of incentives. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's a different kind of digital commodity. And, and it, totally. it, it, I mean, look, there's a huge spectrum of tokenized mechanisms and it's a, it's a new creative uh, surface, new creative tool that we have for organizing a lot of things. And so, they're not all, you know, every digital token is not trying to be a reserve currency. Right. Know, right? That's where the Bitcoiners, I think, get a little bit too intense with that, where it's like, no, they're not competing with Bitcoin. Right. They're trying to do crypto equity in a way, like um, mm-hmm. tokens to represent ownership in like an enterprise, like DAOs and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which I think is a really interesting thing. And DAOs, by the way, were written about on uh, Bitcoin Talk. Did you ever go on Bitcoin Talk? Absolutely, yeah. People forget that. You know, Twitter is where the conversation happens now or Discord. Yeah, now it's all Bitcoin Talk. It's all Bitcoin and, Talk. And Reddit. For yeah. a while as well. Yeah. There's like the Bitcoin talk era and then we had the Reddit era yeah. and then Twitter. Yeah. 
And uh, I actually like Twitter the most because it's more open. Yeah. So there's a lot of conversations that can happen. Yeah. Better UX. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot better UX than Bitcoin talk. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, DAOs, I read about those for the first time on Bitcoin talk, mm-hmm. where they were like, you could build an autonomous, they, they were thinking fully autonomous corporation. Right. Like, which was a pretty cool idea. Right. So, you know, I, I like that spirit of what like the other crypto projects are doing because mm-hmm. they're all, I think, very excited to like look at how tokens can align incentives. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's where I'm more of a moderate Bitcoin moderate, where I'm like, you know, for example, Stacks wants to use tokens to align incentives yeah. and build on top of Bitcoin while also having their own version of a gas token. Let's see how the experiment plays out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, with Bitcoin DeFi, I think like Stacks and Lightning probably had the two most, I would say the two biggest developer communities. Mm-hmm. And also interest. You've got other stuff like DLCs, which is cool too. Yeah. Uh, discrete log contracts where uh, Atomic Finance is building Bitcoin options mm-hmm. using DLCs. So that's pretty cool. That level of sophistication is really interesting. But you know, Bitcoin's never going to have like the composability of, of Ethereum or yeah. Solana. But it can do, I think, you know, when we think about DeFi, we're, we're product guys. So like when we build a product, we solve a problem for a certain, certain niche. And if we look at DeFi, there's only so many activities that people do. Typically, right? You're typically like collateralized lending or borrowing, mm-hmm. where I'm borrowing dollars against my ETH and I post 100K in ETH and I borrow 50K in USD or USDC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we can take some of those use cases of DeFi that are most popular and bring those to Bitcoin, Bitcoin doesn't necessarily have to be, have to do everything these other protocols can do. If it just value captures the highest use the, the the most popular DeFi use cases, mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good start. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the ability to borrow and lend and have also fiat pegged assets and to have borrowing and lending on underlying Bitcoin native assets and have decentralized exchange that works entirely on on like native to the, to the Bitcoin architecture. All of those are, I think, really compelling. Yeah, and I mean, not to uh, not to focus too much on Circle, but I think Circle is in a really cool spot with USDC. Stable coins represent a huge portion mm-hmm. of crypto economic activity. Yeah, and I'd say you know there's a lot of Bitcoiners like Nick Carter, yeah. Alex Gladstein who yeah. love stable coins of because yeah. it not only helps out people in, in different countries that don't have access to a financial system, mm-hmm. but you know what? I think sometimes Bitcoin's a too big of a leap for people to mentally make, and a stable coin is a good I think intermediary. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very, very much our view, which is you have, uh, you know, these sort of digital commodity money, non-sovereign digital commodity money, and we'll continue to see the monetary base of that grow. And over a very long period of time, right, I think it, it ultimately can be a stable unit of account and in, in a lot of ways. And then you have these existing widely accepted units of account that, you know, from a, and also kind of relatively speaking, price stable and, and obviously in the existing world of commercial contracts and other things are, are super useful, but I think they're quite complementary, actually. Totally. Uh, and I know there are people who are like, we're trying to end the dollar or whatever, you know, I think these are complementary. And, and even in the existing historical fiat money systems, right? Obviously they were dollar to gold pegged or whatever, totally. whatever it yeah. was. And, you know, there was always that interplay between the kind of commodity money and a domain specific kind of unit of account. We'll see exactly how it evolves, but there seems like there's going to continue to be that kind of interplay over time. Even if Bitcoin does win and that's all we use, it's going to be probably, we might, we not, you and I might not be alive by then. Yeah, you know, I, mean, it's, I it's remember actually, and, and I was having this conversation with someone else, in the period of time when there's a lot of you know, ideological debate about 
you know, the block size debate time in, in mm-hmm. the history of Bitcoin and, you know, and sort of Bitcoin core very focused on, you know, preserving this kind of store of value. It doesn't need to be this high transaction volume thing. It doesn't need to have all these other bells and whistles or whatever, right. but it's like keep that focus. And it felt like, yeah, there was a, a, a real thesis that, you know, that is a worthy pursuit and it might be 30 years or 50 years or something until the, until you get to a monetary base where you would have it as a, as a really, you know, compelling day to day unit of account. I don't know. I don't know what that time frame is. Things happen yeah. fast on the internet. Who knows? Right. But, but, um, I hope to see it before our life, you know, before the end of our lives, well, but it, it could take a while. life extension, uh, you know, Oh, you're into life extension stuff too. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm getting that uh, cryo preserved when I die. I'm right. frozen when I die, which, uh, Hal Finney did that. I'm very aware. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's some fascinating things around that, but, uh, you know, I think there is that interplay and, and again, like, you know, ha- having these financial primitives, you know, native to the underlying infrastructure and security and other of Bitcoin is, is very compelling. And so yeah. we're seeing, you know, projects like TBD from Block. The trying, decentralized exchange. Right. Trying to do yeah. decentralized exchange that can, in fact, be Bitcoin native and, you know, kind of creating a DEX model that, that works that way. If that can be realized, that would be quite a significant piece of infrastructure for a lot of other things as well. And I think yeah. if you listen to the block team talk, right, there's this huge interest in, uh, you know, how stable coins can interact with that and stable mm-hmm. coins can interact with Bitcoin. And I think there's, there's something very powerful possible there. Totally. Well, that's cool. You guys are talking. I didn't know that you guys were, uh, were jamming with them on, on, De- on Dexas because I, I think everyone's well, watching. I'm just looking at the, yeah. at the public work that they're doing and they're, they're publishing more oh, and cool. more in GitHub and, and uh, I think, you know, plugging away and making progress. I think, uh, you know, Square has such an, an incredible focus on, on Bitcoin. What I've learned in my experience in 10 years in the crypto space is that there's this reflexivity with narratives and building. And since there's tokens or Bitcoin is a token, mm-hmm. there's this reflexivity with it. As the price goes higher, be- people become aware of it mm-hmm. and then they buy in anticipation of it going higher. Mm-hmm. It's actually almost verbatim of what Satoshi said before Bitcoin is worth a penny. Mm-hmm. He hypothesized that this would be the organic viral loop mm-hmm. that would pour, pull more and more people in. And so there's this interplay between a story and price and mm-hmm. usage. Mm-hmm. It's all intertwined. And that's where I think Bitcoin DeFi with TBD, Stacks, Lightning. Yeah. Lightning was one of the first ones to really get, I think, a lot of narrative and story around it mm-hmm. that then got developer interest that then built applications to go satisfy that demand yeah. in the market that, that then got funded by yeah. VCs. Yeah. And so I think Bitcoin DeFi will have this reflexivity. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, more and more projects resemble what we've been talking about, or we see USDC come to Bitcoin, we see yeah. uh, maybe a, a DEX begin. Mm-hmm. These are they sort of these narratives start to, to start to become reflexive, and there'll be more and more money mm-hmm. poured in, and more and more developer interest. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I don't really see a negative situation with this occurring, where yeah. Bitcoin itself doesn't change which is great. Mm-hmm. We want it to be unchanging. We don't want to add any bells or whistles yeah. that might cause that rocket to explode. But all this developer interest could bring a lot of that DeFi interest in the, in the rest of the crypto space back to Bitcoin, mm-hmm. which I think would be super interesting to see. Yeah, it's also fascinating to see how you've never had a situation, certainly in, in the financial system, where end users in the financial system like are so passionate and care so much about fundamental philosophical ideas, core principles. 
I think, you know, in, in some ways, some of those things are embedded deeply in society. Like, you know, you know, cash is king, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, a phrase that people understand or, or whatnot. If you go to around the world, uh, the sort of bearer asset money is sort of people very intuitively understand that that is different than uh, someone you know, writing you a check or whatever the metaphor is. Right. And I, and I, it's interesting, just tied to this theme of like, if some of these Bitcoin DeFi primitives get built, that this really broad base of, of people, users, right, mm-hmm. will say, I want to use that because I understand philosophically that that's, you know, safer in some way or totally. that that's preserves the, the underlying kind of decentralization. And that's important to me. It's this interesting mix of, of kind of utility and philosophy that's happening that, that comes down to the user level. And you don't see that like in a lot of sectors. We don't see someone down the street shouting, check out the US dollar, it's a great mechanism. I, <laughs> right. You know, and most right. people don't know how they're monetary. Or, or people yeah. like pondering, like, what is my Venmo balance? And uh, what is that really, whose liability is that? Or, yeah, or how does Venmo like, work? Yeah, it just, they just yeah. press buttons and it- Yeah, it, it's interesting. And then obviously solving the, the, the UX problem and making these application layer things really work more. I know that's something you're passionate about too. Yeah. Of course, I, I, think, I think if we froze all of the tech currently in, in crypto, mm-hmm. We could spend the next 30 years just building better user interfaces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the usability of, of crypto is, is horrible. Um, yeah. No, it, it yeah. reminds me of, I was early days in the internet and reminds me of, you know, the kind of like dial up internet phase and what that was and, you know, all the stuff you could figure in your computer and things you needed to know. And like, it was just like, it was. This one comes with a little bit more consequences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could lose all your money. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Versus losing email or. Exactly. Or yeah. I do think there's a lot of, like, I know that Square is building their own hardware wallet that's focused on usability. Ledger, of course, you know, they're one of the largest hard, hardware wallets out there. Yeah. They've got some cool stuff in the pipeline that, yeah. that they told me about. You know, for me, it's it's always a passion of like, or in coin joins, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, join market, someone that's uh, called Jam. This group is building an interface mm. that, that makes it usable because right now it's command line. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, yeah. Which if it's command line, people aren't going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe part of it's command line and there is a GUI. Yeah. You need to have optionality. Right. There's this, you know, people forget that BIP39, the 12 to 24 backup, that didn't exist until like 2014. Yeah. Right. And before, you know, back then you'd have, when you printed out your private key. Oh yeah. I found some money on some of those. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) I think uh, every old uh, Bitcoiner goes through in in the bull run. Oh yeah. You go through 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 your old files to go see your wallet dad file. do that. I actually had that happen. So I was, uh, I was going through my old, like my old files and yeah. I found a wallet dad file yeah. and I'm like, all right. And then I'm like, okay, there's no way I forget, remember the password. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, let me try some old ones I used to use. Cause this was like a really old wallet. Yeah. And I wasn't really smart with my security back right. then. Yeah. So I tried and it works. I'm like, oh shit, I got access to it. <laughs> and there's, it's a zero balance. And then I look at the transaction log and there's like a hundred Bitcoin, a hundred Bitcoin, a hundred Bitcoin. And I'm like, oh man. I was buying like alpaca socks and yeah. shit. And I'm like, oh, it was just like pain. Yeah, just- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, totally. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think um, we're just back on this this kind of this theme of building on Bitcoin and Bitcoin DeFi and, and a lot of these primitives, we really are getting getting to a new place and be excited to see where your work takes you as you think about this more too. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what you guys do. I, th I think stable coins outside of like Bitcoin's core store value use case, stable coins are a huge use case in the space. Yeah. So really excited to see where you guys plug in in the Bitcoin DeFi ecosystem. And um, I'll be having some more public announcements around things that I'm working on in the Bitcoin DeFi space. So for those awesome. watching, you you might hear about you might have already heard about that or you might be hearing about it. But I think there's a lot of cool things to be built. And uh, that's going to be my focus over the next couple of years. Awesome. Can't wait to see it all, Dan. Thank right. you. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Bye.